Hello and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joined here, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. This is, uh, you know, this is kind of how it all started, right? I mean, we had rotating guests for a few years, Connor. We just, it was you and I, and then there was uh, one lovely Wednesday leading into Thanksgiving where we had our friend John Daigle on. Um, it was a memorable experience for everyone involved, and it's just kind of parlayed into what is now all the Daigle at four for four and Daigle being a permanent member of the spot and uh, come full circle. How are we doing, Connor? Good. Was this the Deontay Washington show? Uh, yes, it yes, was, right? It was. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like forever ago. Like I was, I was trying to, I was looking at metrics on Seahawks bucks just the other day um, from Munich just two weeks ago. And that feels like an eternity ago. So I can't only imagine what Deontay Washington feels like. I forgot about it until you started bringing up that that was how some of this began. And I, and then I just rang, rung a bell, a bell, like, like at the end of the show, everyone had been drinking for like over an hour, hour and a half. And then, you know, Daigle was name dropping combo players of Deontay Johnson and James Washington. One way to do it. Uh, creative players. Uh, you know, I don't remember. I thought the take was still pretty solid. Anyway, the analysis was good. <laughs> and then the problem for Daigle is that he ends up like he's doing this. And then he ends up like rolling it into like, three or four other shows in the evening. And by the time you get like six hours in of recording of Daigle, I do feel like we're getting the best of the bunch as far as like football takes. It might not be the best from an entertainment standpoint because we don't have him as you know lubricated as he gets later in the evening. But uh, yeah, still pretty good. Are we, are we drinking yet, JD? I have a 10% IPA, so the night's already going quite okay. well. Uh, also, as everyone knows that listens to those shows, I somehow still spin different information for every single show. I, there might be a couple takes that overlapped because like, that's just my take on the game overall. But for the most part, you get, you get different information. So excited for the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's already been a long week. There's already been so many shows, articles up on the site as well for Thanksgiving. We'll have articles up for Sunday. Uh, I'll be working on those tomorrow during Thanksgiving. So yeah, it's just, oh. you know, the grind, the grind doesn't stop during holiday week for us. It's still our job. It's true. Although I will say that I need to lean on you two gentlemen a little bit more because Connor and I were trying, we were talking before we got going here that, you know, Connor referenced soccer moms or whatever that is. I'm a basketball dad right now. My son's basketball season just started on Monday. So I've spent a lot of time in high school basketball gyms over the last 72 hours. So I am, again, we're 12 weeks into this bad boy. A lot of this stuff is just kind of naturally ingrained in us. And we know how these teams profile and matchup and all these different things but uh you know we'll lean on your guys's expertise i'll be grinding a lot probably on friday we'll definitely try to stop and smell the roses a little bit tomorrow while watching games but uh again lots of great content continuing on the site connor and i do have a prop article out on the site that is free for you to you know, take a look at if you're looking to sweat anything as far as the prop market goes daigle obviously is is just out there you know grinding the dfs streets for that three game lotto slate that everyone loves to play where you just need to you know land the Nelson Aguilar of the world to make sure that you, uh, you bring it all home. And it's uh, like, I can't wait because you know, TJ, well, no TJ and I won't get into this. It's in the article though. Um, I don't know if the article's free, but I'll give a taste that it like, is. It's free. The, okay. Okay. Good. So I can say it out loud that, um, the, I don't have to save it for the discord as I usually say, uh, it, the Thanksgiving slate is so annoying because you know what you should do. Like as a tournament, bro, especially in a short slate, like you suck it up. You don't play Josh Allen and you either close your laptop by noon or you live <laughs> to fight another day with the best plays for two games. You can late swap wherever you want. If you don't play Josh Allen and he fails. So you know what you're getting into. It's not, it's not fun, but it's what's necessary. Yeah. It does make for uh interesting game theory because it is, three independent games staggered. So you, you know, you do have the ability to swap and do all different stuff. And you, you hit on the head though. Uh, I think it's, it, it's either, we'll see what the injury report says, but it's either Devonte Parker or Nelson Aguilar day for sure. Yeah. It's Aguilar day. We're Aguilar. Look at the, look, <laughs> look at the route run. Look at the route participation. He's out. He's out there. So uh, we'll wait and see uh, for now. We're going to talk about betting. Uh, we're going to start with uh, all the games on Thursday. It's not a great Sunday slate. Uh, you know, we kind of kicked around the thought of maybe skipping because you're probably getting a ton of Thursday content already in all of those games. So we'll kick it around and probably keep it a little bit light, maybe a little bit less structure than we typically have here. Uh, before we do, I want to remind you, we're live here now every Wednesday night, 7.30 Eastern, discussing our favorite games on the board, taking your questions. So if you're hanging out on YouTube with us now live, 
very much appreciate that. Smash the like button, subscribe to the channel. There's a new four for four bets YouTube page as well. I recommend that you go over there and subscribe. Lots of different shorts and content coming out over there as we play around with uh, lots of different stuff. Uh, and again, obviously available in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Uh, I want to remind folks now too is a great time because listen, we got to do a Black Friday sale, something that we always do. Uh, and we've already counted it down from 50% from the original price. It had dropped down to like, gosh, there was a code and you can get it for next to nothing. And now through through Friday or through Sunday, you can just go onto the page, 44.com slash plans. A betting subscription is $34. $34 from now until the end of February, NBA, college hoops, all our NFL stuff. Uh, again, the betting subscription gets you access to everything on the site. So you will get all of the DFS stuff optimizers, any tool. If you're still grinding season long, you're still in it. You can get Paulson's rankings and any article in there. Uh, just the best deal that's out there on the internet. 444.com slash plans, betting sub 34 bucks, guys. So uh, let's get started with our first game. As Daigle mentioned, uh, we are always start on the Thanksgiving in Detroit. We have the Bills back-to-back games here in Detroit. Uh, you basically have nine and a halfs across the board right now in this matchup. Um, totals moved a little bit, but uh, still hanging out in you know a comfortable area. 54 and a half, a little bit on the uh, key side uh, of a key number. 54 out there in points bet if you happen to be exploring that one. Obviously, there's concerns about Josh Allen's health. Uh, they have not looked as explosive and as efficient as of late, especially on some of the short stuff uh, around the, you know, the UCL injury. And then you have the Lions, winners of three straight somehow, maybe restoring the roar. I don't think this is a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination. But again, they're when they're fully healthy, when Amon Ra's out there, Daigle, this is a team that is at least competitive, and we've seen them be competitive at home. Uh, give me your thoughts here on Buffalo and Detroit. And the Lions have scored 27 points of three of their last four games. What I keep coming back to, though, is what the hell happened last week? Because Josh Allen, 56% completion rate, several overthrows in the first half. Then they take a lead right before halftime, 13-10, come back out of the intermission and then they called 19 running back carries to 12 dropbacks. And you can argue it's because maybe they wanted to steer Allen away from injury. Maybe it's just because he's been bad. Uh, we all watch the games like the injury, the elbow injury is not why he's been making poor decisions and like throwing into triple coverage as well. Like he has made some rookie Josh Allen decisions the last three games when he has four interceptions and three fumbles in that time. So it's almost as if they were hiding him. If that's the case, the Bills can still get it done. But honestly, in my opinion, you have to line shot, but uh, I even bet it early in the week. I got 10 early in the week, and I thought that was a, a great number to get here. And so I still lean the Lions anything over nine points just because they are a team also that can – Maybe not push back, but at least score in garbage time here. So, yeah, that's that's the way I lean right now. And I'm just curious to get everyone's thoughts here on the Bills offense because that's the question mark. It's a good point, too, right? The decision-making, especially in the red zone, had been a problem occasionally. He's been before bad, they, like yeah. genuinely. And the Lions, Connor, like when Amon Ra is out there and healthy, I mean, this offensive line can protect, right? You're going to know what the Bills are going to do. They're going to rush with their front four. If the Bills can give them a little bit of time, this, this Amon Ra – offense they're second in epa per play offensively when Amon Ra's in the lineup like this is that's a pretty strong indication of his impact there um i, I kind of agree with dangle i don't know that i have the stones to lay it i think i would want the 10 feels like a little too much but what are your thoughts here on this one yeah i think what was interesting too is that the, for the first time and i don't even know how long they were negative in password over expectation so they, like, they were running way more than usual and for me when i was looking at this matchup i wasn't sure if that was more matchup based with the, with the Browns run defense being the worst in the league, or if it was just them trying to hide Josh Allen, because now you get a match against Detroit who their run defense is still not great, but it's been playing a lot better lately. We, we saw last week against Saquon 15 carries uh, 22 yards. And then previously against the Packers too, they held held in check, AJ Dillon held in check, Aaron Jones. Uh, like I wouldn't say they're good by any means. I'm just saying that if you want to look at this team now without Jeff Okuda, like if you're optimally looking at how this game could go, like, this is a game where the Bills, if Josh Allen's healthy, would probably just throw the ball 40 straight times and never run the ball once. Because it's like, I mean, literally at this point, probably the worst secondary in the league. And and so it just doesn't make sense to do anything otherwise. So that's what I struggle with because like you guys said, like, I don't really think he's been playing particularly well. But like if if this is in years past, like, you know, they're just dialing up 30 straight passes out of the, out of the half and just going for it. So 
I, I go back and forth here. I don't really know know whether I'd lay the, any money here. The only bet that I did take was uh, I did take DJ Chark under 36 and a half receiving yards. Played just 16% of the snaps last week behind Tom Kennedy, Tom Kennedy, uh, Raymond, and Amon Ra. And not to mention Josh Reynolds might play. I think he probably plays closer to like 50% of the snaps, snaps but tough match against the Bills. Like, you know, I think that he he's just probably not like super, super involved uh, in on a short week here. Yeah, I I get it too. Like, I do feel like without Akuda, who I think does matter a little bit, I do think you see maybe a squeaky wheel thing too with Stefan Diggs. I mean, I they did go to them. And I think your point too about it being matchup specific with what happened with Cleveland makes a lot of sense too, because man, like the Cleveland front has been a mess. Like the linebackers aren't good, can't tackle, you know, the front is really bad. So it could have been a spot where it's just like, hey, weird travel, what kind of just a wonky week for them, right? Like the travel stuff was way, they couldn't get out of Buffalo. Lots of different factors that make it really hard to kind of piece together in small samples of, all right, we have an injury, we have this travel situation, we have a matchup base. Like it's really kind of hard to grab grab anything and be like, all right, this is really like what they are moving forward. So I do think it's a spot that I would be nervous about the Bills moving forward a little bit if they don't do that, if they aren't able to go down, push the ball down the field aggressively, big splash plays in the passing game, digs, Gabe Davis, things like that. So um, I don't have a whole lot here um, that I've dabbled in. I think Gabe Davis, like longest reception is a, is a prop that I've looked at. It's like 22 and a half. It's, he's like 21 and a half on the season. So we're not even asking him to do a whole lot. And like Dangle nodded his head when I mentioned Akuda, you know, concussion protocol, he's not going to be here. I do think he matters. We're talking about a pretty, pretty bad secondary outside of him who started to kind of, uh, you know, evolve a little bit. So well, uh, well, also we've, We've mentioned Gabe Davis as a splash play player in the past. And in the six games before Buffalo's bye, like, yes, he had he didn't go over a 17% target share in any game. But he's actually seen at least seven targets and a 20% target share in three or four games since the bye. So he's also, like, hogging targets, too, behind Stephon Diggs, however many are available. So it's not only a player getting deep targets, but also getting a volume of targets, which is always great. So, yeah, like, I, I do like any Gabe Davis overs here because he, he can be a standalone option for the Bills. JD, how about the Lions' backfield? Because I feel like, like, he Swift is fine, right? Like he's practicing in full, he's playing, he looks okay, right? There's nothing in the eye test where you're watching that going like, oh, okay, he's still limited. Um, they seem it just seems like the coaching staff really likes Jamal Williams. He's a good pass protector. Uh, he's obviously been efficient even back to his Green Bay days inside the red zone. I know that there's obviously splash playability here. Do you think that we're kind of in this? Like this is the split moving forward? Or do you think there's anything still around like Swift's injury status and that's kind of holding him back? I think he can earn a role, but he would need to show it in practice. And I don't think this is the week. Uh, Was full participant last week and it didn't matter at all. Still 31% of snaps and single digit touches in three consecutive games now. So full again. And yet I don't think it matters whatsoever. Go back to that play last weekend game. They gave him the ball competitive game too. Like they had, they still hadn't blown out the giants just yet on third and one. He fumbled, he picked it up and then he sprinted to the outside when like the, the blocking was leaving him a gap inside the middle. Like that's, that's his issue. That's why Dan Kibble hates him right now because he tries to make a splash play every single time he gets the ball and his explosive player, but also like, Follow your blocking because you play for Dan Campbell. Like, go by the rules and earn more reps. And he's not doing that right now. So I have negative faith that he'll actually see more touches in this game. Yeah, I go back to I don't. I know this sounds like super narrative driven, but like if you look at if you like go back and watch Hard Knocks when they're like talk about him, there's like a scene there where the running backs coach is like getting all up in him in front of the whole running backs room and being like, "This is why you're not the best running back in the league." You're soft. Like you're not going to contact. Like, why didn't you cut in here? Like being very, like, it was more than just like basic criticism. It was like, like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you not playing better? And this was like in preseason. And I was like, that's a really weird clip to show. Like a really weird way to talk to a professional player. Like it was not like criticism. It was just like literally being like, you're not, you're not good enough. Like you're not doing this right. And you have the talent. You're just not doing it. So there's something else going on there behind the scenes. I just, I heard that is like, we think that you can be that guy and where you're not doing it, but like, it's, it's all that guy, right? Yeah. I think he can too. I mean, he's electric in the passing game, but I mean, there's a lot of, like he's like Jamal Williams. I feel like is like the poster child of running backs. No matter. Like he just, you give him touches, give him 15 touches. He can do everything fine. Right. But he, and if the coaches like him and he's kind of doing to Connor's point, the stuff that they want him to do, uh, 
parole and he seems like that kind of that kind of guy um so yeah he's going to continue to get uh you know it's like one of the only guys that i feel like anytime touchdown bats feel decent like he's going to get that work inside the five like it seems like he's just pretty consistently that dude so uh i also like i don't know if connor's put out a dawson knox prop out there but that the elbow injury, if that's what is the case of Josh Allen right now, didn't seem to matter for Dawson Knox. Um, tied Stevon Diggs for team high in targets last week, or tied Gabriel Davis, I should say, at team high in targets. And then also, Lions are still top five in completion rate, yards per attempt, yards per game to opposing tight ends. So I still think it's a good high floor spot for Dawson Knox. That's interesting because someone actually was just messaging me this about before the show about it. And I, you know, he brought up some good points similar to what you said. Right now you're looking at over under three and a half receptions, 37 receiving yards. Uh, I mean, seems a little low unless they go like crazy, crazy run heavy here, which I, I don't think that they do probably. So it's a good look. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, Giants on the road here in Dallas. This is ballooned out to 10 everywhere. Total 45 and a half across the board. Uh, you know, kind of two teams that seem to be going in opposite directions. I mean, the Giants and Giants fans have been begging for us to take them seriously. When you lose at home to Detroit, um, you can't, you just can't do that. And I know that the, the laundry list of injuries on the Giants side uh, is starting to become problematic and it's really rearing its head here. And, and that's part of why this game is out to 10. Now you have Dallas who, uh, again, people were curious why in the row in the world would they be favorites on the road against an eight and one Minnesota team. And then they just go out and blow the doors off of them. 40 to three. Uh, that game was like over instantly. Uh, just again, when you look at all the things that have happened to the giants come in with even more injuries, the offensive line is beat up the cornerbacks were not great to begin with outside of a Dory Jackson. He's not playing here. Some other guys are not playing here. Uh, the wide receiver room has been decimated. It's kind of a mess outside of, uh, Darius Slayton, who just was buried on the depth chart early in the season, is just kind of getting harder and harder to build a story for the Giants, whereas Dallas is kind of finding their groove here. This is a spot where they should take advantage here. Uh, Connor, I'll get started with you with Giants-Cowboys. Yeah, I was really interested in them at 9.5, probably still a 10, honestly, too, with, as you mentioned, Giants losing two starting offensive linemen, no Wandale Robinson. Uh, just like I really struggle to see how they move the ball here, like, I, I don't know how, but I guess this would be the third consecutive week we've been betting on Dallas, but it's just like one of those things where they look good, their metrics are good, like they're playing really well and they're running into another spot against an offense that at this point just is like devoid of talent. And like, sure, the Dallas is a run funnel, but when the Giants are, you know, rolling out like, you know, bum offensive linemen, like how are they going to really run the ball? And we saw last week, even against Detroit, like what was it? 15 carries, 22 yards of 15 carries. I mean, that's like pathetic. You know, that's not going to cut it. And Daniel Jones obviously turned up a lot of that. Wandell Robinson though, at a whole, at hundred receiving yards. So, you know, I, I worry about this, this team and how they're gonna move the ball here. So and I think Dallas has plenty of success offensively. So I would lean the 10 on Dallas. I mean, I know it's a ton of points, but uh, I think the matchup is good enough here for, for them to, uh, to cover. Yeah. With the way that we're trending to like the nine and a half are gone. We're not coming. It's yeah. not coming. We're back. not going to see that again. The, the number's too large for me, but I'm not saying it's the wrong bet. Like that's the way I'd lean to, but I'm, I'm not betting on a 10 here, uh, especially since the Cowboys historically have let us all down on Thanksgiving, including last year against uh, the Raiders. But like you mentioned the injury report beyond two starting cornerbacks missing. I look at starting center, John Feliciano, starting right tackle, Evan Neal, starting left guard, Shane Lemieux, backup left guard to him, uh, Josh Azudu. Like, dude, and 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 Evan Neal's backup, Tyre Phillips, is also a game-time call. No idea if he's going to play. Like, it's a disaster against the Cowboys defense creating pressure at the league's highest rate. Usually I'd try to sell you and say, well, Davin, Dalvin Cook, even in that blowout, averaged six and a half yards per carry. Like this Cowboys defense can still very much be run on. But when you're on your fourth string offensive lineman, I genuinely don't know if that's the case. So it's just an inopportune cocktail. It's the worst case scenario and the best case scenario clashing at once. I can get to the 10. I don't know if I want to, but it's definitely 10 or definitely Dallas or nothing. Like I, I just, I can't tell myself a story where that's not happening. I feel like if you like the giants, your probably best bet is to maybe take the under in the game. Cause you're telling yourself a story here that Dallas's offense sputters somehow. And that's, you know, they're able to dial up enough blitz stuff that, you know, complicates things for the Dallas passing offense or like that. That's, that's kind of how, where I'm at Connor. Yeah. I mean, just like, you have to, I feel like when we're handicapping a game, you have to have like some kind of faith in some way of them moving the ball and, or at least consistently. And like, what, I mean, what are we going to throw to 
Darius Slayton for 300 yards. You know I mean? Like uh, Lawrence Cager or whatever his name is, you know, like, I mean, like these guys are, there's like nobody's and like, they made the most of having nobody's for, for a lot of the year, but that's because they've had Saquon ripping off big plays or, you know, the defense coming up at certain times. It's interesting because they're bottom five in most metrics, but they're actually ninth in points allowed this season. So like their defense has been just, I guess, opportune is the way I would describe it necessarily. So it, it is pretty interesting for this team. Cowboys are also first in points per drive since Dak Prescott returned in week seven. And more importantly, as you already mentioned, Noonan, Wink Martindale blitzes the league's highest rate when these two teams played in week three. Wink Martindale blitzed, it was Cooper Rush at the time, but he still sent the blitz at the league's highest rate. And you know, like there are three quarterbacks in particular you don't blitz in this league. That is Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, and Patrick Mahomes. Dak still fifth in completion rate against the blitz. And more importantly, you look at CeeDee Lamb against the blitz. Uh, this is why I leaned to Connor, and I'm curious where he is in on his props because Lamb leads the league in targets and catches against the Blitz. I had to triple check this stat because I, even I wasn't aware of this. I had to go back and just keep on refreshing and be like, did this? Did the API screw up? Because CD Lamb or Dak Prescott has thrown 45 passes against the Blitz this year. CD Lamb has been targeted on 35 of those 45 pass attempts. There is one hot read in this offense and it is CD lamb every single time. So I just think the matchup works out as best as it possibly can for this team. So I'm going to interrupt here. CD lamb was in a great, great spot last week too, against Minnesota who had been gashed by the slot and the game got out of hand in a big, big way. So CD fell short and just an insane catch right before the half with that incredible throw by Dak, the, you know, toe swag, Toe drag swag from CD on the sideline, 27 yards. It was an air ball in the second half because they were up by 30. Like, I feel like, again, I don't want to get in a spot where I'm, you know, saying that we're going to be in a 20 to 30 point game, but like CD, unless he gets there in the first half in a big, big way, you could be just kind of game scripted out, which makes it a little hard. Cause I wanted to go back on this matchup. I was hesitant because of, I feel like that could be a very similar situation. So, um, you know, as again, I'm holding an L on CD last week. What do you think, Connor? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at 75 and a half receiving yards, five and a half receptions, about even money at FanDuel, juiced up a little bit on DK and other shops. I think to Dago's point, it's a great analysis, and I definitely lean over. Like, I'm definitely not betting an under on any of this stuff. But to your point, I mean, generally, I just don't bet high receiver overs, as is. You know, that's like not my thing. Um, but uh, I, in this game, particularly, I went uh, a different route with the pass catchers here. I went with Dalton Schultz over. We got it at 34 and a half, it's at 38 and a half now. But like he obviously came out had a dud last week, three for 22. But if you look at how he's done with Dak the rest of the year, seven for 62 in week one, uh, five for 48 before Prescott got injured, but five for 49, six for 74, six for 54, and then had the dud. So gone well over 34 yards in four or five games. Giants 31st in DVOA against tight ends, allowing 60 yards per game to the position. Uh, we have like 50 something projected. So it's just a little bit of a lower threshold that like I think you could still get there in the first half. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely can't blame anyone for taking any CD overs because it is a smash spot for him. And that's why he failed last week was because they just ripped the team off the field. I don't know why right. Micah Parsons was still out there in the fourth quarter, but, uh, yeah, they took the starters out other than Micah. I absolutely love Dak Prescott. It's I, I, I hit it at 11 and a half. There are 10 and a half out there right now. I hit it again today at 10 and a half, uh, over 10 and a half rushing yards for Dak is, uh, absolute layup in my opinion um again we've had a lot of success this season at really attacking more so the schemes man heavy blitz heavy defenses um in the giants as daigle mentioned no one's blitzing more than this giants team on the season had success with even geno smith as someone that you don't typically profile as a rushing quarterback in the same spot five carries 26 yards we hit justin fields over here uh seven carries 52 yards that's before he was even like this version of Justin Fields, Lamar went for seven on 77. Um, you just, you see a little bit more willingness for them to do some even design runs. He has multiple games this season where he has over 11 in a single rush. Like his longest rush is three or five starts has been 11 yards. So three, five and four attempts the last three games. So I, again, those aren't huge numbers, but we don't need a lot here too. When the pressure comes, if he is going to be flushed out a little bit, I just feel like we're on the right side from a health standpoint here. So Dak over 10 and a half. I hit again today after posting 11 and a half. I'm surprised it's moved that way. I think this is a great, great, great look. And um, it's been something we've had a ton of success on the season. So uh, still out there for anyone who wants to jump in with us on the Dak number. So, yeah, I hit that 10 and a half on DK right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty good look. I mean, not, again, my only worry with this is that 
like the game's just out of like he just doesn't have to run at all. Like, you know, he, that, that's my only concern with these bets is like, you know, their second half, they're up 10. He's like, eh, I'll just throw it away. You know, like I don't have to run. But uh, I feel like his, he could even get there in the first quarter. You know, all it takes one or two blitzes, corners turn their back. You know, he flushed, flushed from the pocket and just runs for 10 yards. So, yeah, I like it still. So I think at this point, like he could do that literally on one carry. And we've seen that multiple times where he's had more than 10 and a half on one carry. So we don't even have to have anything that happens here uh, super late. So, yeah, I agree with the guys here. Cowboys are nothing for me. Uh, the last game, the primetime Thanksgiving one is New England on the road. They are in Minnesota. Uh, shop for this one, depending on your feels. There's two and a half out there. There is a three on uh, Minnesota minus three on DraftKings. 42, 42 and a half is the team total here. I feel like I know where Connor's on this one. We were on part of why we didn't like Minnesota last week. And we thought that the Dallas line was the right side is because there are some pretty notable splits for Kirk Cousins when he is facing uh, man defense and zone defense. And again, like, reminder that even the uh, man heavy teams in the league are still running zone at about a 50% clip. But there are some teams that definitely run a lot of man looks a lot more frequently than others. And New England is one of them. Um, they don't blitz a ton, but they do run a lot of man. And I'll let Connor go into it, but um, Kirk's really struggled. Belichick has had success in these spots attacking Kirk Cousins and people like Kirk Cousins. They've only faced off twice in his career. Kirk has not fared well. Uh, 4.98 yards per attempt in those two matchups. Uh, his team has failed to top 10 points in either of those matchups against Belichick. Um Kind of like New England here. I just worry about the offense. But Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I lean towards New England. I also like the under here, just because I don't have as as much faith about uh, New England scoring here. But if we look at what what's going on here with Kirk Cousins under pressure this season, forty two percent completion rate, six point three yards per attempt against man coverage. He is well over seventy percent completion rate against or against zone coverage, well over seventy percent completion rate against man coverage, forty eight percent completion rate, six point five yards per attempt. Uh, we've talked about it before. You know, like pretty much everyone outside of Justin Jefferson has struggled to get open against man coverage on the team. I think TJ Hawkinson, I thought, could have been a potential game changer in that regard. Put up basically an air ball last week. Uh, and so now we're also looking at this team without Christian Derrissaw. Last week and the last two weeks without Christian Derrissaw, they have a lot of 54% pressure rate. Uh, and Patriots already on the season, like top three in pressure rate. So you're looking at playing a top five rate of man, ton of pressure. So, you know, it's like maybe I don't love to take the Patriots because of the offensive side, but I think they're the right side. I think the under is a good look here. I think it's like 43 or so. And that, that, that's a good look too. I will take the Patriots because of the offensive side. I think we're going to get a little bit of help here from the Vikings defense. Vikings have allowed 28 points per game since they returned from their week seven bye, and the highest red zone touchdown rate in the league. And that's where New England has struggled and needs a little help here with the second lowest touchdown rate inside the 20 on offense. Um, Jones, Mac Jones hasn't thrown more than a single passing touchdown in any game this year, but given the Vikings third highest explosive passing rate allowed and Jones's propensity with the eighth highest rate of throws 20 plus yards downfield to want to do that. I really think we're going to, we're going to have to help the offense here and the Vikings are here to do that. So between their defense and between what I think could be genuinely a three touchdown game for Mac Jones. Um, I think it's more than enough here to bet the Patriots money line. They have two touchdown drives their last three games. So yep. um, where, you know, uh, yeah, no, I know that's the, that's the struggle is like, uh, you know, like, People want us to take this is like a serious football team. I can't believe this is a serious football team to, until they start. To be to fair, they played going. the Jets twice in their last three games too, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily like. I know that the Jets' defense is is better than average, but that's not elite. Like, yeah, they're pretty they're good, but like, I mean, look, Zach Wilson bailed Mac Jones out. Not locally, not in Boston sports talk radio, but nationally, like because that was a just as bad of a performance as from Mac Jones as it was Zach Wilson. Zach just airballed the press conference post game. But like that, that offense just struggles. Like it was, it's basically checkdowns to Ramondre. And that's actually a bet that I made that I posted Ramondre over three and a half receptions. It's basically checkdowns to Ramondre, um, Jacoby in the slot, and then just a varying rotating group of guys on the outside with, you know, Taekwon Thornton and Parker's been in and out of the lineup. And is Kendrick Bourne going to be active today? Is it going to be Nelson Aguilar? Like it's just been kind of, a little bit more to for you know um Jonu Smith which is interesting too because I feel like he's not out there for a ton of snaps but I feel like 
they have some specific stuff drawn up for him when he's out there. Because if you look at like Hunter Henry versus Jonu, you know, route participation, Hunter Henry dwarfs him, but like touches Jonu Smith is very much involved. But yeah, I, I played uh, Ramondre over three and a half was minus 125 on DraftKings. Basically, all third downs, all long down and distance stuff. Um, he is he's working in like they will rotate series with these guys, but like Romanje will still come in on a Damian Harris series to work the passing down stuff. And what a and, what a weird line, by the way. He has 13 catches in his last two games with Damian Harris. Why isn't it like five and a half? Why is it three and a half? 28 catches on 34 targets the past five yeah. weeks. Yeah. He has a he has a he has a 22% target share the last month. Like I don't I don't understand what the deal is with that line. And then league wide too looked at this too. Uh, running backs have been targeted on 15% of their routes against man this season, 22% against zone. Um, and that makes sense when you think of how you know schematically how that plays out. No team plays a higher rate of zone snaps than Minnesota. Um, they have faced 7.4 targets to running backs this season. That's the fifth highest mark in the league. So there's just a lot of things kind of coalescing around. Ramondre being a great look in the prop market. So I think Damian Harris is interesting. I think he's going to be efficient with the carries that he gets, but uh, Ramondre is very much a key component of the passing game. So I think that's a great look that's still out there too. But yeah, I think New England's probably the right side. I mean, I, they're an interesting teaser leg maybe. Um, if you, you know, but you through the two and a half, you get him through the three, through the seven. If you want to maybe bring Dallas down or something like that, or maybe you had conviction in, in Buffalo or you want to continue to tease the lion's way out trying to think of different ways that people want to bet on Thanksgiving. I think those are some of the ways to do it, but uh, I love Daigle's conviction and Mac Jones finally kind of putting it together. And I do think it is Nelson Aguilar. If you're kind of looking for a little bit of the skeleton key, I do think he's kind of separated himself. Uh, at Did least late. Devontae Parker get injured late in that game or was he just playing behind Nelson Aguilar? I, he's just playing behind Nelson Aguilar. Okay. Interesting. Got it out of the, out of the buy. So that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, not, what's, not what's Devontae done, right? No. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm an old school Devontae Parker guy, but it's like we're we're done. Like, if you weren't doing it at like 23 with no separation, uh, I don't think you're going to be doing it very much at like 28, 29 with no separation. It's it's not great. So yeah, it's it's crazy because when we look at just like this handicap in general, I feel like looking on hindsight with the Dallas Minnesota handicap, I've never felt better about a handicap. Like in hindsight, like I've never felt better about a handicap in my life. Like just with how it turned out and like what we said was going to happen versus actually what happened versus like no one getting open. The offense couldn't move the ball. Dalvin cook was able to run the ball kind of, and that helped to some extent, but didn't end up even mattering at all in the end. And so like all that stuff adding up to now you're getting like, I mean, not the exact same team, but a team that plays a very similar blueprint in a lot of ways. So it's like, you know, it's really hard for us not to go back to the well here. And if, if Daigle's saying that he believes in the offense, I don't know. I'm a little bit, you know, I think maybe too much recency bias with what we've seen the last few weeks that hasn't been great. But I mean, it's, I mean, Minnesota's defense is not good. So I think if it's going to happen, it's, it should happen now for them. Well, New England too. I mean, behind Cincinnati, the New England schedule is tough down the stretch. Um, so, you know, if there's a path to get to the playoffs here, uh, partially because the other teams in front of you, like Cincinnati, who we'll talk about here in a second has a very daunting schedule as well. Like you got to see it from New England a little bit. I want to see a little bit of offensive continuity, a little bit of, of a ceiling that we haven't seen here, um, you know, outside of having to, you know, worry about punt returns and stuff like that. So uh, let's move on to that one. We move on to the Sunday slate of games, not a great Sunday slate of games. But we do have a couple of games I think that are worth talking about. And then we'll kind of go around and see if there's anything else off the board uh, that the gentlemen here want to talk about, but we'll start with the rematch here, divisional playoff matchup last year, Cincinnati going back to Tennessee, Bengals are favored here on the road. Again, shop around. Threes on Caesar. Uh, Bengals are three-point favorites. Uh, it's two on DraftKings. 42.5 is the total basically across the board. I, I think when you're handicapping games, the Titans are very, very hard to quantify, right? Like they, there's, it's kind of like a forward pass kind of football league these days. And uh, although we're kind of reverting back to the run and the Tennessee passing offense leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, a lot of like no name guys on the defensive side of the ball. They just kind of continuing to see Mike Vrabel get more out of the guys than you would think based off of the guys on the field. They have been incredibly efficient in the red zone, uh, probably unsustainably so, but you're going to give them credit at this point in the season that they are converting at an insane rate uh, when they get in and around the goal line. 
And you know, Ryan Tannehill's playing okay, kind of bend, don't break um, on the defensive side. Cincinnati might be getting Jamar Chase back here. Obviously, they got DJ Reader back last week. That is important. But even without Chase last week, I mean, I know Pittsburgh has nothing on the outside, but 355 and four scores, uh, 79 points in the last two games, like that's pretty dynamic. We're kind of starting to see a little bit of late season Burrow from last year. Dago, let's get started with this Bengals-Titans matchup. And attack the Titans on the boundary with your wide receivers is what works the best. And we saw encouragingly for the Bengals, T. Higgins return at full strength, 33% target share, led the team with 13 targets this past game. But at the same time, it's this offense still lacks any pop without Jamar Chase. Burrow has completed 50% of his passes, 19th among all quarterbacks, for just 4.1 yards per attempt, 33rd among all quarterbacks, when under pressure without Jamar Chase since week eight. And as we know, Get pressure, even with the bunch of no-names they have, is what the Titans do best. Uh, ninth in the league in creating pressure this year. 30 sacks despite blitzing at the league's second lowest rate. And so overall, uh, I don't have faith in the Bengals' offense in this game. And I, I do lean, if I can get that three, line shopping, I do lean towards the Titans covering in what I expect to be a low-scoring game, honestly. I mean, if you're going to back the Titans, you got to feel like they're going to be able to run the ball, Derrick Henry. And I know that we have concerns with you know DJ Reader in the lineup. They were literally the best rushing defense in the league. They were 27th without him. Big, big, big discrepancy there. Uh, we've seen, obviously, Derrick Henry kind of, for his entire career, uh, just kind of laugh in the face of tough matchups uh, and you know tough defenses here. He's just kind of a, I don't know, he's a system breaker. Connor, what are your thoughts on this matchup? All right, so I'm going to do my best here to sell you guys on the over here because I think that I like the over here. I think it's a sneaky, sneaky over. But so Cincinnati's going to be without Joe Mixon. I think that that, actually helps them be more efficient and pass the ball more rather than, you know, running right into the teeth of the Titans defense, which obviously they do that, you know, overs cooked, like they're, they're done. But I don't think with the, with Joe Mixon, they're not going to run Samaje P Ryan, you know, in their single, uh, single back, like, you know, under center offense. I don't think they're going to do that. They're probably going to go shotgun again. So I think that they're, they take the more efficient route. Now I know the Titans can get pressure, uh, but you know, if they do have a weakness, it's probably more so uh, in the passing game on the perimeter, as you guys mentioned, the Bengals run defense. So I know that earlier in the season, they played really well with DJ Reader. Last week, 90 yards on 20 carries, four and a half yards per carry to Najee Harris. You know, like the Najee Harris who we have all ridden off and were cooked. Uh, and beyond that, the, what's actually impressed me most about this Titans team is when they're passing games. Since Ryan Tannehill came back uh, the last few weeks, they are fifth in EPA, seventh in explosive pass rate. And that was against Denver and Green Bay. Like two, Denver, great secondary. Green Bay, uh, you know, at least respectable. Uh, and so... And I've been more than impressed. And now getting it against the Bengals defense that, I mean, again, I think is just fine. And so I think that there could be a little bit of sneaky, not maybe a shootout, but like, you know, maybe like a 24, 21 type of game, something like that. Um, and now I think there's a little bit of a projection there, but just when I was, when I was going through it, I thought that there was a little bit more potential than a 42 and a half point uh, total suggests. Interesting. I could see that too. I mean, I do agree with you. I mean, last week, I think they took all but one snap from the shotgun. So they definitely are going to do that. I don't think they're going to run into David Long Jr. over and over again. They'd be donkeys to do so. Um, you don't want to mess with that guy. <laughs> Your guy. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I take any reaction to that too. I mean, I, I think it's, I think a lot of it hinges on knowing if Chase is in. It sounds like he's trending that way. I think Joe Burrow said himself today that they expect him to be active. He's this has kind of been the, the, the game they've been targeting. Uh, and they need this one. They need this one in a big way. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a full-time player. And also, I don't trust Zach Wilson to understand what Connor said. So, no, I don't. <laughs> that, I don't believe it. That was my worry. See, like, if I had to, like, guess. Or Zach like, Taylor, oh, I'm sorry, I should yeah. say. If he's going to, if I'm like, oh, he's going to like scheme up a game plan that's going to be pass heavy because their pass even sucks. There's no way I bank on that. But because they don't have Joe Mixon, I'm like, okay, well, maybe like, you know, maybe he's just like, oh, we're not just going to bang Samaj P. Ryan in there. But uh, yeah, that obviously big, big, uh, you know, big decision there. Because if that happens, then again, over is cooked. I like, if it doesn't happen, I like your, I I like your handicap of it, but uh, no, don't trust Zach Taylor to see it that way. <laughs> It's going to be a big one. I think it means more to the, the Bengals than the Titans as far as you know, future playoffs because that division of the Colts or Jaguars is still kind of a mess for the Titans. They still have a pretty nice pass. So uh, I'll be interested to see. It's, again, I think probably one of the better games on Sunday to begin with. So uh, next we will talk about uh West Coast game. You have the Raiders in Seattle. Uh, Seattle is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Looks like you have a 47-and-a-half-point total in most spots. Points bet out to 48. 
this was interesting to me. I, I, we have a Raiders team, and I know this isn't massive travel. They were in Denver last week. Now they are on the road second week in a row in Seattle, and you get Seattle at home off of a bye. That's a nice little rest advantage for Seattle, who I think is a far superior team than what we've seen in the Raiders. Again, the Raiders went in in Denver and won last week. I don't think that that uh, you know, holds a lot of water uh, for us because that Denver team is an absolute mess. The offense, I think, can be interesting. But again, like the Seattle offense wasn't great heading into the bye you know, against the uh, the Bucks there, but we know that they can pass. I mean, Geno has been incredibly accurate this season. Uh, they have a rushing game to get it done here. You, we know kind of how the Raiders want to get it done. But again, this secondary has been abysmal. I feel like this should be closer to five and a half or six. What am I missing, Dale? Uh, yeah, I, I actually like the Seahawks quite a bit as well. You look at the teams they've played, the Raiders have played since they're by. Um, the quarterbacks they faced are Davis Mills, Andy Dalton, Trevor Lawrence, Matt Ryan, and last week, Russell Wilson. Whereas, remember, the month leading up to that game Munich, like the Seahawks defense became literally a top two defense in in football outsiders DVOA. And, you know, say what you will about the Bucks winning, but they also forced the Bucks to Tom Brady's fewest pass attempts in any game this year. So I would argue like the Bucs changed their game plan and said, actually, we're going to do this against you instead. Uh, the Raiders aren't prepared to do that. They're still chucking 40% of their targets to Devontae Adams in the last three games since they've lost Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, who's an amazing player, but at the same time, I don't think you can get away with that here. So, no, I agree with you. Uh, look at the recent competition I mentioned against the Raiders. Look at who the Seahawks on the other end have faced before they're by, and I would say the Seahawks are the significantly better team in this matchup as well. Yeah, Connor, what are we missing? Nothing. I don't know. I, I wrote the same thing. I was like, yeah, I don't know, three and a half. Like, I just look at the reason. I mean, like, like Dago said, like, yeah, they won. They beat the Broncos in overtime. Like, it took them overtime to beat the Broncos, and like, they they've lost all the other teams you mentioned. They lost to the Colts, Jags. You know, like, like all those teams. Uh, I mean, they're a train wreck. Like, you know, I don't know. I I just am not buying anything. It's like. They beat one of the other teams who's like literally a train wreck. And otherwise, it seems like everyone in the locker room has been lost too. So, I, yeah, I, I'm laying the points to Seattle. I think you bet like minus six and a half to a plus money if you want. That's another spot where I think if you are wanting to maybe back the Raiders, you're telling yourself a story that the Seattle defense is going to struggle to get pressure. You know, David Carr, Derek Carr is going to be able to sit back there and make some plays. Um, you know, I think that you would lean to an over in this spot too. I just, I think that. The Seahawks are going to have success moving the ball. I mean, we saw Kenneth Walker's role continue to grow. To grow, like he's been really good on the ground. Like he's starting to get a little bit more passing game work. Uh, I just I like the buy for a good time because you know we both had DK and Lockett dealing with a little bit of injury heading into the you know the buy there. So I feel like coming on the other side of it uh, is probably good for them too. And I mean, it's wild. We have to kind of divorce ourselves from preseason thoughts, and that's kind of where we are with Russell Wilson. We have to be there. And like the Seahawks are. are kind of good i mean the geo thing is real like the completion percentage over expectation stuff is an insane and, and for it to be this large of a sample for him to be this efficient like they feels pretty good i mean the offensive that was a one, that was a one really score well. that was a one score game um gino gino had that fumble in the red zone and a handoff and like even took accountability after the game and that's really what turned the corner for them um that one blunder but otherwise remember like in the fourth quarter they drove the field and made it a one score game like yeah no the seahawks are contenders just as the bucks are yeah and the raiders are not and they the raiders are not even close no yes three and a half i mean it's it's hanging out there it's painted across the board it's uh curious to me that it hasn't moved because uh, that's obviously all a little concerning because you're like I thought it was three and a half in the lookheads. I'm like, this makes no sense. This is going to get up to five and a half. Like, they're going to, you know, even if it doesn't matter what happens in Denver, this is going to move. And here we are. So maybe, um, you know, the public is is interested based off of you know little Raiders momentum. Perhaps we are not. So we are going to fade that one. Uh, last, we will go to Philly for uh, Green Bay against the Eagles. Eagles are six and a half point favorites here. You got a 46 and a half point total. Looks like painted across the board here. Again, I don't know what to make of uh, Green Bay moving forward, but uh, interesting to see the Eagles fight back a little bit. Again, it has not been as smooth as it has been early in the season. Obviously, you start to play uh, you know, a little bit more competition. Teams got to kind of feel for you. It hasn't been great. Um, Tangle, do you think that Green Bay can do anything here to slow down Philly? The Eagles have played competitive games for three weeks now, but 
the Packers aren't doing anything special. That's the issue. To to only still throw a couple touchdowns against the Titans and uh, yet again average just over six yards per attempt, like that's a disaster right now. Like the Packers are getting by on efficiency. They're not a high volume offense. So no, I, I don't have any faith in this offense whatsoever. Like Christian Watson, his first 14 targets um, before these past two games, he had 88 yards, no touchdowns. Now the past two weeks, he has 150 yards and five touchdowns on 14 targets as well. It's like, it's just nothing they're doing is sustainable. So I don't want to be in a position here, even with the Eagles trying to figure out an identity, struggling a little bit. I don't want to be in a position to bet the Packers at all. Tough matchup against the Colts' run defense last week, Connor, but they Philly was really run heavy, and I don't know if that's a Dallas Goddard thing um, where they just you know weren't as confident. Like I, you know, Goddard's a great blocking uh, tight end as well, but again, they skewed very heavy. Uh, a lot of like a lot of design runs from Jalen Hurts here. We know that that's kind of how you can win against the Packers. Uh, seems like that would be the path to winning and doing it again here. What are your expectations in this one? Yeah, I kind of like Philly at six and a half here. I think that, uh, you know, I know I was interested in it last week, but at this point, looking at the matchup, like at its core, like Philly, I feel like always tries to rely on the run. Like, you know, if everything else breaks, you know, they're like, okay, well, we can still run the ball. We're still dominant up front. And in this matchup specifically, like I think that's even more emphasized against a bad Green Bay run defense. And so if they're not able to pass the ball or, you know, maybe even they come into this game and say, we're going to run the piss out of it. We're going to run the ball 35 times here, 15 times, 20 times with Miles Sanders ton of design QB runs, get Gainwell and Boston Scott involved. Like that would not surprise me at all. And then another side here with green Bay. Uh, I mean, I don't, I think that they're going to try and run the ball as well. Like kind of like, I mean, they tried to run the ball against the Titans. So like, they don't care about matchups at all. Um, I mean, they're going to run the ball and Nadamik and Sue and Limbaugh Joseph, Joseph came in. And when they played, uh, I believe it was uh, the opposing team only had like 2.5 yards per carry. And when they were off the field, they allowed six yards per carry. So as those guys get more acclimated, like now I, I don't expect the splits to be that drastic, uh, but you know, I mean, they're, they're certainly an upgrade over, you know, the void that was left by Jordan Davis. So I think that that matters a little bit and the Packers probably will have some success running the ball, but I don't think enough to really kind of keep this game within a touchdown. So I, I like the Philly here at minus six and a half. Yeah. I think it's a good look as well. So, all right, what else do we want to talk about? What other games are on the board? Uh, is there anything else that jumped out to you, uh, Daigle that uh, we want to touch on? I bet that you like, or I think, uh, I think Chargers Cardinals is at least interesting because we saw Justin Herbert bounce back um, a season high in completion rates, uh, his highest yards per attempt since they played the Texans in week four. And I don't think it's all a coincidence that it happened to overlap with Keenan Allen's return, who makes such a big difference for this offense, even as a part-time player this past game from the slot. Also expected to get Gerald Everett back playing indoors for a Cardinals team. That is a short week and they are at home, but still a short week for Mexico city as well. So yeah, I think the Chargers offense is potent enough here to get the job done. There's also a couple of prop looks that I think are interesting, depending how the injury report falls out with Rondo Moore now being ruled out. Um, we've seen Greg Dortch uh, have a 17.5% target share in, in four games where Rondo Moore is injured compared to 3% when Rondo Moore plays. Cliff King's very offense doesn't change. They just plug someone in. Um, if it's DeAndre Hopkins out, you plug in AJ Green on the boundary. If Rondo Moore's out, you plug in Greg Dorch to the slot. Nothing else changes at all. Uh, Trey McBride is a scrub. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Greg Dorch targets here. And then uh, does Hollywood um, Brown impact that if Hollywood comes back? Because we haven't seen Hollywood at Hopkins at all. He'll just play on and the, the outside, right? Yeah, Hollywood be on the outside, and the report is that he's going to be limited anyways, and so I, I don't think it's going to change much. If it'll just it just may take away from AJ Green snap. So I still like Greg Dortch a lot. If the if the books give us a low number here, and yeah, then, that line um, has moved. I want to note real quick that it was four, and now with that Kyler being uh, likely to play, it's moved to uh, Chargers minus three everywhere. So Kyler doesn't uh, matter. Take the three. Ky I just, totally agree. I, this year, Kyler does not matter, especially in his first game back. And I still wonder if he's going to play. Uh, they're biased next week. Like, why would they bring him back? They do a lot of stupid things, so it would make sense <laughs> if they do that. But I still do. question if they're actually going to bring him back or if it's just like playing to the other playing to their opponent's advantage um and then also james connor uh connor was on the under last week and you got that right connor yeah on james connor okay yeah yeah uh but it, it is a good spot against the chargers and until it was a blowout connor out touched keonta ingram 16 to 1 like he's still the only running back involved chargers still allowing a league high in rushing yards per game so 
I think I might actually lean over on Connor this week. For sure. That's that's a good look. Uh, I think the Chargers minus three is a solid look as well. Just for the, the offensive, I feel like advantage is just massive for them. So massive. I yeah, I think Keenan Allen, I think we all agree, is actually, you know, is a massive difference maker. Um, I think he impacts, you know, we've been hitting a lot of successful Austin Eckler receiving overs of late. Did not touch it last week, even though it was still hung in the right number. And it kind of paid off because uh, I do think that there's some correlation between, you know, him being out there and what happens with Eckler too. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. I think that the Chargers are definitely the right side there too. Uh, Connor, what else are you considering here? Yeah, I mean, one look that I love uh... – Kansas city it's minus 15 and a half now, but like, I don't even care. Like it could be minus 20. I mean, like, I don't like I, I put it in the discord and I'm like, wow, it was, it was 14 and a half. I'm like, that's surprising. Like they're literally st- the Rams are starting undrafted free agent, former UVA quarterback, Bryce Perkins, his first road start against in, in Arrowhead with one of the worst offensive lines, no running game, no Cooper cup defensively. They've been largely disappointing coming against a, a Kansas city team. That's just been like, you know, on fire, largely offensively, like Kansas City is going to put up 30, you know, that's just like almost a given. How much are the Rams going to put up 10, 14 points? Like, you know, that, that's still more than enough to cover this number. Like, and even then I don't even 10 points. How are they going to move the ball? Like I went back and watched Bryce Perkins today and I'm like, like maybe the, he'll show something. They were running the ball in like third and nine. They were just like doing zone reads every play. You know, he's just like out there and he's, I mean, he's athletic, but he's not like that athletic. And so he's, I would say he's closer to like, uh, I don't know. We, we were hitting some Sam Ellinger over. It's like, I think he's closer to Sam Ellinger than he is to like, you know, any real running quarterback. And so, yeah, I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a disaster. Any, any big number in the NFL scares me, but yeah, I, I mean, I can't disagree. Like the Rams are legitimately one of the worst teams in the entire league. Definitely the biggest letdown, most disappointing team given their Super Bowl win last year. Uh, they just have nothing. They literally have nothing. Don't even mess with it. Just do what I told you to do a couple weeks ago. Team total. Blind bet Patrick Mahomes over two and a half touchdown passes. <laughs> it is like, it's always plus money. It's like not massively. Like I think last week it was like plus 120 or something like that. But like, they're just going to score a ton of points. You can actually really pass on this defense too. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I understand that it's like, it's a crazy number, but uh, I just don't see, what is it? 13 and a half though, I think, or maybe it's going to be down at like 12, uh, 12 and a half is a team total for the, for the Rams here. I was going to say, I'm going to look, I don't even know. It's probably still too many. So, yeah, it's, that's a mess. Um, again, you can you run into some variants on like special teams or something like that. That makes that very, very difficult. And you're, <laughs> yeah. you're almost drawing dead after something like 13 that. 13 and a half. Yeah. 13 and a half. Yeah. I mean, if you got a 14, that's just like a, you know, a triple unit. Like, they're not scoring. <laughs> three, three teams registered more, less than four yards per play last week. Like, and it felt like it too. Um, as someone who's at a friend's house who watches red zone, as we know, I don't watch red zone. Cause that's not my job. My job is to provide context, dude, like red zone. All it was was sacks and interceptions. Like it was the worst day of the entire year. Uh, that's, that's my only concern is that no team is good enough. Like we, we are seeing the worst teams ever in the NFL. It is so bad right now. Oh yeah. Uh, well, good news. Uh, There's a litany of backup career, backup quarterbacks <laughs> uh, taking snaps this week. So it dude, is, it's not going to get bad. better. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Not, yeah, it's not good. that's my only concern is that uh, uh, big favorites have not. It has not been favorable in today's NFL because no team is that good. But as you mentioned, Noonan, Patrick Mahomes does have 300 yards and or three touchdowns in seven consecutive games now. It's just on a different level. I mean, yeah, I their like- their offenses. I, I everyone got injured in that game too. Didn't matter at all. Just hummed along for 30 points against a contender. Didn't you care. have any doubt that they were going to take the ball down the field? No, no, no doubt, right? Like it was just I, like I didn't have any doubt. Chargers either. Uh, I mean, they were they were playing great with Keenan Allen back in the lineup. Like they're they're back to being. You know, they may already be screwed. They may have already put, pushed themselves out of the race. But no, like yeah, they look good. I think the Chargers are still very much live in the back end of this. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of games left, um, and I don't think you know the Jets are kind of I think not really in the mix. Um, I like question that New England's a real actual playoff contender. So if Chargers can do Not a little AFC. bit to sure up. Yeah. Just, I mean, just even to actually make the playoffs. Like, I don't even think that they're, uh, Raul wants to tell us different. Sorry, uh, Patrick W, <laughs> but that's not actually what's happening here. And if, if you have a uh, Patrick Mahomes MVP tickets, just feel free to go buy your vacation or boat now, whatever you're doing, because don't let anyone tell you it's Tua, it's Gino. No one else matters. Josh Allen doesn't matter. It's only Patrick Mahomes. He's already won the MVP. I, uh, I, I'm holding out hope that it's Tua because I remember actually, so right before the season, I didn't have a Tua ticket and I'm like, you know, hearing all the reports and I'm like, man, 
I have been the number one Tua stand for two years. I was like, if I don't have a Tua ticket and he wins MVP, like I just need to quit. Like that's the most disingenuous shit ever. So I was like, all right, hundred bucks, 75 to one at Caesars. So I was like, all right, you know, whatever. So, I mean, it's dead. You're right. Patrick Mahomes is going to win. But I mean, I, I think the Dolphins are a great spot actually here too. I was looking at like team total was 29 and a half earlier. Now it's 30 and a half. But I mean, they're going to drop 30 plus on the Texans uh, easily. All Jeff Wilson. Yeah, like it's gonna Jeff Wilson's gonna crush. Moster was injured today too. Uh, like I, I don't know, they're all just gonna ball. It's 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 gonna be awesome. Chalk week, chalk, a bunch of chalk donkeys here. I know. We're, we're laying overs on thirty and a half team totals. And, Why do you think uh, we couldn't pick games for this week? Because like, I know none of, the, none of these games matter. Like the Dolphins versus the Texans. Come on, give me a. Break. <laughs> I know. I didn't know like, what to do. Like I, I the know. one the one hope they have in Damian Pierce had eight yards on ten carries last week. We can't like. Screw these teams, man. They're so bad. Okay, so what about this? What about you do you can you ever done like a mega teaser before? You can like tease like 10 points, like a sweetheart teaser. Yeah, when I was like 22 betting offshores, uh not not the betting wiring money (laughs) driving to a Western Union to wire cash to the Caribbean. They're like, Do you know who the person you're sending this money to is? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's why I'm here every other week to send them money. Uh, I mean, I'm just waiting for I've done them for any angle to bet these like massive point favorites. Cause then you're getting like dolphins at like three and a half chiefs at like four and a half. And then I don't know, Cowboys to pick them. Like, I mean, I don't know about any of this, but you know, I've already, if you want to get creative, go for it. I've already planned it out. You got to nap during Cowboys giants because that game doesn't matter with the injury report. <laughs> and then Sunday that's apple picking day. Noonan bring all okay. the family yeah, to go apple, apple picking, picking because yeah. none of those games matter on Sunday whatsoever. Uh I think we're missed apple picking season. I think we're, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little late, but I, you know, maybe actually, I'll make it uh, up to the wife. It's like 45, 50 yeah, in, it's gonna be in nice. Texas and that's winter. Um, yeah. I don't know how it is in Chicago. It's like the what, same. It's like 45, 55, oh, okay. 55 years. When I, when I left, it was 15 and snowy. I was like, thank yeah. God I'm getting out of here. Yeah. They know the donkey stuff that, that I've been doing of late that kind of, you know, coincides with what Connor's doing. I'm taking really bad teams because to Dago's point, we have a lot of them. Um, numerous books will offer you, you know, all lines on their point their point total i just keep taking bad teams under 24 and a half and like parlaying them to get them out to like plus 150 four or five teams every week it's hit like three weeks in a row just taking crap teams under 24 and a half because these teams are not getting even if they get in like their best ceiling performance they end up getting to like 21 or maybe 24 but that extra half point these teams are not pushing 26 27 points at all so i don't know it works um if you want to get, you know, real DGen, I think there's uh, a lot of viable under 24 and a halfs on the board this week. So um, I might have already booked one out for like plus 157 or something like that this morning. So, you know, different ways to get uh, to get interesting, to keep it fresh. So I also tailed uh, Sharp Clark before, too. I-, I told my wife when we were watching the game on Sunday night or on Monday night, I'm like, I think we get a rematch here of a Super Bowl a couple years ago. I think we got a Chiefs Niners Super Bowl. Um, and then Clark laid that in the, uh, in the discord at 30 to one on DraftKings, So I think it's a really interesting price uh, for two teams. Again, I know that there's a long way to go. The NFC playoff pitcher. I think that, you know, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Eagles are all very much viable. You know, I know that the bills are going to be involved, but I feel like this, you know, the way Mahomes is playing right now, 30 feels like a pretty good price uh, with the way that those two teams are kind of ascending. So I thought that was an interesting look. I don't know what your guys thoughts are. The uh, what's interesting is I actually saw Jeff Benson, the director, sportsbook director at Circa, talk about this exact thing. He said that the no vig price that they would have it at is nineteen to one. So thirty to one is actually sort of shockingly. I mean, that's what like I generally don't bet that shit because it's almost always a trap. It's almost always horrible odds. But I saw that and was like, yeah. I mean, like I think the Niners are the, pretty much the clear best team in the NFC at this point, and I think that the Chiefs are. I mean, the best. I mean, maybe not the clear favorite, but I think that they're. Probably, you know, I what I would consider the favorite. So I think I thought it was a good bet at 30 to 1. Yeah, I tailed it. I thought it was a good look. So all right, gentlemen. Good stuff as always. Appreciate you very much. Again, a reminder to folks, uh YouTube, subscribe, new YouTube page as well. The show is not gonna be housed there, but four for four bets. We have a YouTube channel over there. Like I said, we're gonna be introducing uh lots of other great free betting content. Uh again, the betting subscription, $34, 444.com slash plans. Connor and I will be back on Friday, Friday in the afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern with Pat Mayo to talk props because we want to make sure we are out of the window of this alleged soccer game that people want to watch. Uh, There'll be ball kicking between England and the United States. Uh, We will come on right after that game ends. Uh, We should be right around 4 p.m. Eastern right here 
on YouTube. Also come in your podcast feed on Sunday. Connor, any uh, U.S. England uh, football handicapping for us? Yeah, so I was actually I, okay. So if you're not watching the game and you don't care about like actually watching England minus 0.75, it's an Asian handicap, uh, which I'm not going to explain what that means. Just bet it. Uh, it's probably the right right side here. Um, I like the over in the game. Uh, the United States looked really frantic in their first game when they were not did they not when they didn't possess the ball in the second half. Uh, England was just like absolutely stellar in their first game. So I think the over there is a good look. And the U.S. like I mean they have a bunch of promising attacking players. Uh, we're able to create some chances. So I think that the over here, you're probably getting uh, some good odds on. But yeah, if you don't want to watch the game, just bet England minus 0.75 and collect. Are we are we already eliminated from our group pretty much since we're about to lose this game? No, it's it's going to come down to goal differential. So it'll be like uh, they tied Wales. And then as long as whoever, as long as you beat Iran, it's going to come down to how much you lost by to England and how much you beat Iran by. So it's certainly not dead. They could still encourage encouraging for patriotism. Yeah. Yay. Yep. Ties, baby. Ties. <laughs> over in a soccer game can you imagine no shot in hell i'm putting money on an over in a soccer game good luck what did, get, what did we get like one shot last game like it's I'm, one for I'm one hundred bad and hundred percent tough scene yeah i'm gonna refrain but yeah patriotic go us uh come back for the prop drop uh 4 p.m eastern here on friday uh daigle enjoy your holiday um you know eat eat some good food Stop watching football. Don't work too hard. You know, take a little bit of a reprieve. Relax. Enjoy yourself. I know you're, you're grinding it hard. So, uh, and then, yeah, Connor, I'll see you on Friday. So, for JD and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>